The Beer Me Boys use bad words in this episode and I am telling their moms, please listen responsibly. Beer me your ears, it's time for Beer Me a Movie. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And this is the show where I have a sick one-year-old at home, and I literally, within the last hour, got puked on, shit on, and pissed on, not in the order you would think. <laughs> I don't know what order I'd expect it in. Are you going to write a book about it? I might have to at this point. My kid pissed on My me. My kid pissed on me. It's so appropriate. <laughs> Even though Bill Maher is going to be like, I'm Bill Maher. I'm funny as shit. That sounds stupid, Bill Maher. I'm Bill Maher. Is that a metaphor? Did he actually piss on you? I can't bar, bar. say that, though, because like his documentary, Ligulous, is actually pretty damn good. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. It's very good. Uh, this is a show where me and Brian's probably each other going back and forth, and then we score the movies, and uh, we drink depending on the score, and yeah. You're here. You know how it all works at this point, I hope, right? Hopefully. Right? Right? If this is your first episode, weird pick, but, you know, cool. Welcome. If this is your first, we're going to show up to your house with cameras, and we're just going <laughs> to film you listening to us. And that's the podcast. That's going to be the whole podcast. No catch, no anything. We're going to suck <laughs> everyone in hook, line, sinker. Stinker. Maybe. I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about the movie yet. Brian, what did you beer us this week? This week, I beered us Ed TV, which is uh, <laughs> from 1999, directed by Ron Howard. It's like the answer to The Truman Show. It came out like nine months later. And it got heavily compared to The Truman Show right away. For obvious reasons. For so many reasons. Have you seen this before? I have never seen this movie before now. What about you? This is a firsty for me. Also. As well, too. So we're both going in, uh, like, what's the word? Virginal? No. What? That's not it. (laughs) We're EdTV virgins. uh, I guess that's what they call us, or called us. That's what we used to be. Now we're hoes for EdTV. Yes, please, daddy. Yes. Which daddy? We'll get there. We'll get there. What are your thoughts? You know what? Um, I had no expectations going into it, because, you know, I've heard of it, but I've never, I don't know anything about it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I found it delightful. I thought it was excellent. I did too. I was sucked in. I was really impressed by the way it's all done. I can't wait to talk about this thing. You want to dive right in? Let's dive in. Like we said in the opening, we score these on a scale of 1 to 100 and then compare it to the Rotten Tomatoes score. And our first category of 10 is story motivation. We pull the plot synopsis right off of Wikipedia. Here goes. Television network, True TV. Not that one. Yeah. Before before <laughs> True TV existed, this was the fictional True TV. Right. Before it just became the Impractical Jokers Network, unless it's March <laughs> Madness, where they're going to put four games on it and claim that it, they're a big deal or something. It's true. TV. This is like the most appropriate March Madness thing we could do. Somehow? It's like, where's the big game being played on the channel you can't ever find? Yes! <laughs> What channel is True TV? It's the one that used to have Matt McConaughey on all the time. That's right. (laughs) Nonstop. True TV is commencing interviews for a planned reality show that shows a normal person's life 24-7. Created by TV producer Cynthia, who's played by Ellen DeFucking Generous. 
does she get the fucking uh, like this is a 1999 Ellen DeGeneres and yeah she's great then but we've learned things about her we since. have learned things about her since she's not a great person to work for no she's a shit sucker but in this she acts like a person who might be okay to work for she's still a television executive let's Acting. not forget that <laughs> <laughs> you know what we'll let the story unfold and then we can all judge Ellen DeGeneres based on that that's very fair to Ellen and our listeners. Yes. They interview Ed Pickerney, played by Matthew fucking McConaughey, and his brother Ray, played by Woody fucking Harrelson. What a brother duo. These two were born to play brothers. They were. And like, it's weird because Woody Harrelson's looked like he's been 45 for like 45 years. <laughs> and Matthew McConaughey, he's a, he's a kid here. He's the very, very young Matthew McConaughey. He actually looks younger here than he does in movies when he was younger. Yep. <laughs> it's like, he's like, I'm getting my own movie role here, my own lead. Maybe I'll do some push-ups or something and work on my one ab that's up the top ab. Not so much the bottom. <laughs> the top ones, ab. But it's just the top ab. <laughs> just got to isolate that one top ab. <laughs> like, how do you possibly isolate one ab? <laughs> it's a great question. This is Harlan Williams sucking on eight-minute ab. <laughs> now, the trick is you only do one minute of the eight-minute ab workout. <laughs> right. When you feel like you're engaging your lower ones too much, stop. Yeah, no, you're never going to get that McConaughey look if you Can't keep do it. working out the bottom half of your abdominals. It's weird because, like, you know people who use, like, an iPad or something, they have a small stand for it, and it just sits there. And, like, people who use laptops, they put it on said lap. On top right. of said lap. Hence he the has name. like an iPad stand built into his his tummy area with his one ab. With his singular ab. Like when my wife was pregnant, she would sometimes like put books on her tummy and sure. not have to hold them up. It's like McConaughey could pull that off right now. <laughs> He's got a chiseled indentation, but just one. Just one. Just one indent. That's all you need, I guess. McConaughey is aging backwards for this role, and Woody Harrelson is just staying the same. <laughs> right. And when you see the female lead in this movie, you'll understand why what one ab McConaughey can pull. <laughs> wow. We've come a long way from when we used to <laughs> score on female character. <laughs> I just feel like it's fair if we're going to rip apart Matthew McConaughey on his one ab. That's fair. That no one's safe. All right. Nobody's like, safe. At all. And it's funny because, like, Woody Harrelson's character in this has, like, raised Jim. And that boy looks like he can't even open a pickle jar if he wanted to. <laughs> he looks a little bit like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Samwise. <laughs> Sean Astin? But he looks like Sean Astin. In 51st Dates? From 51st Dates, yeah. <laughs> this movie's full of both lookers and not lookers. Uh. And they intertwine, which makes it feel real. It does feel re like real life. You got lookers and non-lookers. It does. McConaughey looks good, except he's, he's like a butter ab. A butter ab. <laughs> and Woody Harrelson looks like Woody Harrelson. You know, like, he's got the same thing that Keanu Reeves and Paul Rudd have, but 10 years later. <laughs> His clock stopped. Earlier, he like aged quickly, and then it stopped for forever. But it was like he was aged so far in the future. I don't know. Already. I think the only person who could understand how the ages of these people work is Christopher Nolan, and that was last week. That's very, 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 very true. And I don't want to shit on Jenna Elfman. This movie did it enough in its own right, and there's one very specific line that just knocked it out of the park because Jenna Elfman fucking crushes this movie. 
She's incredible in this movie, despite her tragic 90s eyebrows. They're the most 90s eyebrows ever. Like, they're almost not even there. They're not. Like, I heard the fourth grader come out with his clicky graphite pencil <laughs> and just draw them right on her face. It's like the scene from The Fablemans when, when uh, they clip the, the mom's fingernails. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's just a little kid with a pencil to draw in her eyebrows. Oh, this movie, man. I, I enjoy it. I do. <laughs> I do, too. Doesn't sound like it, but I do. When the producers see the interviews, Cynthia chooses Ed, which is funny because Ed wasn't even interviewing. It was Ray that was interviewing, and he was just like, hey, this is my brother. And they're like, we want that guy. I don't know what charm Cynthia saw in Ed, because he's just like a folksy guy telling stories at a bar. He just came over. He's like, all right, all right, all right, which he does say more times in this movie than he does. Yeah, he's getting paid by the all right, all right, all right, for sure. (laughs) His paycheck is directly influenced by how many times he says all right. (laughs) Yep. The show hits the airwaves under the title Ed TV, and it's a total failure at first, as only boring things are happening. Yeah, he wakes up, he's wearing sweatpants, and he starts rubbing his uh, dongle there. Yep, and his family is like, That's how it starts. Ed, don't do that. I like that everybody in the world is awake to see the beginning of the show, except for Ed. <laughs> and how do they get in and like, just start filming? Like, I would be so freaked out. Like, any time in the morning, I know my wife's supposed to be there, and I freak out every fucking morning when I see her there. Of yeah. like, There's oh, another person in, in this room? room. I know it's your room, too, but it's still weird to me. Yeah. But I can't imagine, imagine like, strange camera pro. people. And what are you supposed to do? I feel like that's something you would notice way before... You put your hand in your pants. Unless he, like, really knew. Like, he set up overnight. You know what? Like, just reach on now. That's the first thing he's going to do. Drop off your apartment keys, go home, put on some sweatpants, and then, uh, you know, see where the morning takes you. He's never worn sweatpants in his life, but that's his choice that he's making right now, just for the opening jerk-off shot. The producers, Rob Reiner and others, Rob fucking Reiner and others. Yeah, Rob Reiner and others do deserve the others. They want to pull the plug almost immediately, but Cynthia remains determined that the show will succeed. Based on? Her gut. Yeah, that's it. That's all she's literally going on. <laughs> she's here. like, look, uh, the Garden Channel's getting more viewers than we are. Why do we say we give them a week? That's actually pretty fair. Ed TV starts to get interesting when Ed goes to visit his brother Ray for a football game. Ed, along with the cameramen, discover that Ray is cheating on his girlfriend Sherry, who's played by Jenna fucking Elfman. No relation to the other fucking Elfmans. I love this because you have Ed go visit Ray. Ray answers the door in nothing but a kimono, <laughs> which is like the sign of sex. If I, there's ever absolutely. been a sign of sex. This guy was just having sex. He's wearing his sex kimono. But I also love, as the audience, we're so far ahead of Ed at this point of like, dude, Ray's totally cheating on her. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. When he says, bye, Sherry. And another girl answers like, that ain't Sherry. Oh, I don't know why I'm making here. McConaughey Elvis up. I'm hearing it. <laughs> oh, that's not a sherry. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> well, since a sherry left me. Did you watch Elvis? I did watch Elvis. It's weird. It is a weird movie. Like, if you unbos Lerman it, I'd imagine it's pretty damn good. If Yeah. And if you somehow fix whatever Tom Hanks is trying to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like Boz Lerman woke up with his sweatpants on and started rubbing his Boz Lerman <laughs> and an Elvis emerged. 
That sounds about right. That's the way Boss Lerner makes all of his movies. <laughs> Just waking up in his sweatpants and rubbing one out in front of the camera. That's it. And whatever comes out, that's, that's what's coming out. And sometimes it's a sweaty Austin Butler. So sweaty. He's the sweatiest boy. So incredibly sweaty. <laughs> but there's that really cool shot where they're doing the concert montage and like the outfits and the stage change. It's neat. It is neat. It, it looked great. Looks fantastic. Yeah. And Austin Butler's incredible. He is it. unbelievable in that. Like if Brendan Fraser didn't win, Austin Butler was a shoe in. And I've said that a few times where there's certain people, like quickly talk about the Oscars. If everything, everywhere, all at once did not come out this year, Banshees of Inishirin would have run away with everything. You think so? I do. I loved that movie. I'm going to have to watch that one, I guess. In All Quiet on the Western Front, it won the appropriate amount of what it should have won, because that movie was fantastic, too. Yeah. But Burn Fraser, like, slap a fat suit on that sweet boy, and let's see what happens. And magic happened. And you know what? And they're like, you know what? We need to make up for not giving him the Oscar for Tarzan. We need to make up for not giving the Oscar for The Mummy and for Encino Man. And all those fantastic movies. <laughs> and Airheads. <laughs> Airheads. That's the one. They're like, you know what? We really slighted Fraser on this one. Let's, let's give it to him now. I'm so happy for him. I really so. am. You can't see it happen to a better guy. But it's like the feel-good foursome won the right awards for like the acting. Between Amazing. like Michelle Yeoh and Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis, Kiwa Kwan, and the Fraser boy. Like, I'm so happy. Yeah. It was... Everything felt right with the world. It did. It very much did. No one got slapped. No one got slapped. It's not as exciting, admittedly, but was it's Chris okay. Rock even there? <laughs> probably not. <laughs> He's probably sat at home in his sweatpants thinking about his Netflix special. I saw fashion Will Smith to death. Oh man. And Will Smith is like, God, I'm really hurt by all this. It's like, Will, first of all, dude waited a year to bash you. That's like the appropriate <laughs> amount of time to wait. And also and you deserve words. everything that's coming to you. <laughs> somebody tweeted they were like if chris rock is in attendance and he's do he's giving away award i just need one person to decide to do the funniest thing in the ah, <laughs> 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 uh, you get jordan peele come up there flap ass flap ass <laughs> who's gonna be brave enough to do the funniest thing ever <laughs> oh yeah ed tv yeah that's right <laughs> So Ed goes to visit Sherry to apologize to her for Ray's actions. And Ray is like telling Ed to go apologize to her while he's being filmed. Right, they're TV. live on TV like, and he's like, The ruse is up instantly. Go apologize Ray. to my girlfriend for me because she's not going to want to see me. And then he looks directly at the camera and he's like, And you know it's true, baby. You don't want to see me right now. And then he goes back into the apartment <laughs> to keep having sex with this girl. I mean, what else are you going to do at that point? Uh, the goose yeah, is I'm caught. I, I guess I better go in for seconds. <laughs> Starts like sweeping his foot on the ground. I'm ready for sex. <laughs> Still absolutely need to talk about walk hard again. Absolutely. Cherry's drunk and she starts insulting Ray on live TV, calling him a bad lay to the audience's amusement. Ed tries to comfort her revealing that he has feelings for her, and she reveals that she has feelings for him, too. And then they do the kiss, making Ed TV extremely popular. Yeah, totally checks out. This is built-in real drama, and exactly. I dig it. I just made out with my, my boyfriend's brother on national TV. Hot! That's how you get those ratings. That's right. And Cynthia went back and put on her sweatpants. At Cynthia's insistence, Ed starts a relationship with Sherry. But the relationship is short-lived, as Ed grows more interested in staying on TV 
and Sherry is abused by viewers who find her unappealing. Wikipedia takes most of this movie and just condenses it into this one paragraph. Yeah, they do. That's pretty much the movie when you think about it. But that is the big delineation from The Truman Show, where The Truman Show is all about what's happening inside the bubble for the most part. And you get, I mean, even Ed Harris is in that bubble, isn't he? Yeah. He's just in the moon part of the bubble. He's in the moon, moon, the bubble within the bubble. (laughs) That's right. This movie is about the people outside the bubble. Right. Like, Ed TV is Ed, but it's about the things going on outside of his control. Yeah. He just happens to be, like, the through point for all of the other stories that are happening, in a way. It's really interesting. And I really like the way that they do this, because they don't hide the cameras. The cameramen are part of what's happening. We see... Yeah. The show being filmed. Which is phenomenal. It is such an interesting choice from Ron Howard. Yeah. And I imagine it's probably a lot easier on some of the crew, too, because they didn't have to always hide. I agree. They lean into it so hard, but then there's scenes where the cameras aren't present. Right. So it really makes you have to like think a little bit like, oh, yeah, I'm watching a movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm watching. The-. It's crazy the way they pull this thing off. Yeah. And that's one of the, the major differentiations between this and The Truman Show, where- Truman's unaware that he's being filmed, but they still have to like show you where these cameras are placed to kind of give you this sense of this is a TV set. Right. Whereas with Ed TV, it's not a TV set, and they have to show you the cameras so you remember that, oh yeah, this is happening on TV. It's very well done. It really is. But poor Sherry's getting lit up in like the newspaper on Entertainment Tonight. Yeah, and, and she works for UPS. She's delivering packages, and people are like, wow, a little bit of fame, and now you're a bitch. Yeah, that's insane, right? It's crazy. Because they're like, ah, you don't deserve him, blah, blah, blah. There's like polls in People Magazine, like, is Ed too good for Sherry? And she's like, 70% of people think you're too good for me. He's like, I don't care about that. (laughs) There's still 30% that think you're right on. (laughs) They think you're all right, all right, all right. Pay the man again, Jesus. (laughs) But I also love the line when he, like, brings her flowers while she's delivering a package to a random lady. And he says, well, that uniform certainly is a turnoff. Nailed it. (laughs) Yep. It's like all the porn that you watch, it's like a Pete's Delivery Boy or something like that. It's never been a UPS worker because of the brown. (laughs) It's Like it's specifically designed to turn MILFs off. It is not an appealing uniform. (laughs) It really isn't. It doesn't matter how many times you say you're here to deliver me a package. I'm not... No, not it's not it. going to do it. Look, look, look at your knees in your weirdly long brown shorts. <laughs> yeah, what is with these shorts? I don't know. And your brown socks. Like, I get it. I get it's a uniform and everything. But, I mean, sex it up a tiny bit, maybe? I will say that when she's wearing that hat, it takes the, the focus away from her eyebrows. Yeah, briefly. What Wikipedia doesn't say here is that Sherry decides that they should not date until after the show is over. It's a reasonable adult response. Yeah. And Ed's all for it. Ed goes on to The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and meets beautiful model and actress Jill, played by Elizabeth Hurley. Not giving her the fucking, huh? Elizabeth fucking Hurley? Like, that's a choice. Like, she's here for a little bit. Hold on. Apologies to Brendan Fraser, and we forgot to bring up Bedazzled. Oh, Bedazzled. Speaking of Liz Hurley. Spe- yeah, good call. Good call. Does she take a proper liking to Ed? I have a feeling that she is just in it because... She knows that he's on camera, and she's trying to kind of bolster her own brand. That's what I take away from it, too. But yeah, you know, a, a quote, liking. It's a Fair. mutually beneficial agreement, you know, 
etc. Oh, hello, Ed. <laughs> I hear you've got one ab that I'd love to lick. <laughs> that is spot on, Liz Hurley. Nailed it. She's not in the room, everyone. That was me. Believe it or not, that was Dave. <laughs> we asked her to come on the show. She said, no, thank you. I can't do that. Oh, Wikipedia does say it. Ed visits Sherry, who tells him she doesn't want to be with him until Ed TV stops airing. No, they did it. They just did it later. <laughs> it didn't happen in the movie. <laughs> How about that? Then she leaves town. See, now that's where they skip a lot, because yeah. they stop seeing each other for a while. Then he sneaks away one night, and they meet up, and he, there's no cameras, and they do the the dirt. They start to do the dirty in her car, and then the cameras show up, and her boobs are on the internet, and that's when she leaves town. As you should. Yeah, it's a good time. Or shouldn't. You have a choice there. At that point, you go either way. You either lean in. You got to lean in as hard as you possibly can. Or you'll lean or all the way out. fuck off as hard as you can. <laughs> Those are two options. There is no in-between. <laughs> sometime later, Ed goes to a park to play some football with Ray when Jill arrives to invite Ed over for dinner at her house as Cynthia has brought her in to earn more ratings. I love this next scene. So much. <laughs> I like that they set up this whole this whole Jill thing because it's definitely all orchestrated behind the scenes. I don't know if it's Cynthia's doing or Rob Reiner's doing, but they're like ratings, ratings. We need to get Jill in there immediately. I think it's a little bit A, a little bit of B. Yeah. But Ed arrives at Jill's house and there's just this huge crowd outside. Huge. And I love how you start seeing people watching Ed TV and having like sex night parties in a way. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And I'm sitting here wondering, how do they do it? Like, are they actually just going to show them boning? Uh, no, I think they have to cut away. I think they. there's a whole discussion with Al, uh, Martin fucking Lando, who's in oh, the yeah. movie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they, Al has like a whole thing in the beginning of the movie. Like, what are they going to go what to the bathroom sex? with you? And he's like, I'm not going to. They're not going to go to the bathroom with me. What about sex? And he's like, nah, I'm okay. It's not because you're old. You're still a great looking guy. You're just not my type. More or less, yeah, they can't really show it, right? Because cable TV. Oh, man. I got to black him out from the ab down. <laughs> At some point, they just tastefully pan away and start playing the music, right? So you'd think if we got there, we'd know. <laughs> the two have a little small talk and start kissing on top of a table. They're about to do the sex. But Ed falls off the table and lands <laughs> on Jill's cat, which results in a sore back for the former and a broken leg for the latter. Why has Wikipedia got to bring in formers and ladders? I don't know. It's super hard to figure out what's, which is which, even on like my best day. Ed falls onto the cat and squishes it. The cat breaks its leg. RuPaul makes a pussy joke. <laughs> RuPaul does make a pussy joke, which is fantastic. Yep. And uh, Ed never sees Jill again. That's the end of Jill. Goodbye! I'm out of this movie! <laughs> she's pretty upset about her, her cat getting squished because she never really liked Ed that much anyway. She was just, you know, looking at the camera, trying to get her, her 15 minutes. Man, you've never had good sex unless you squished a cat. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That's what we call a euphemism in the biz. <laughs> That's right. Now, in terms of writing a film... They have saved the cat, and in terms of fuck it, it's squished the cat. <laughs> it's like the, the Kama Sutra of McConaughey. The Makama Sutra. Just here in my Buick, playing with my boogers in my Rolling fingers. Rolling up this booger. Thinking about what kind of cats I'm going to squish tonight. 
All See, right, now right, what's interesting right. about that is that Jim Carrey was in the other movie. That's right. <laughs> playing the, the other role. The Squishing boogers role. in his bubble. That's right. Wow. Who knew that these two were linked so far back? Amazing, right? Ed also finds out that his brother wrote a book called My Brother Pissed on Me. <laughs> we never get the context of the book outside of the do. title. Ed's estranged father, Hank, played by Dennis fucking Hopper. Yeah, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, Dennis Hopper shows up and you're like, wait, what? Hank abandoned his family when Ed was 13. He shows up unexpectedly, visits Ed, and informs him that he left because Ed's mother was having an affair with Ed's current stepfather, Al. Which is not at all how that happened. Nope. But it is Martin fucking Landau. But it is Martin fucking Landau. He may be the best thing in this movie. He's so good in this movie. And that's not according to me. That is according to Mr. Roger Ebert. Oh. Who gave this movie two and a half out of four stars, but he gave it a big thumbs up on his website. Like the biggest thumbs I've ever seen on his website. He said, I enjoyed a lot of the movie in a relaxed sort of fashion. It's not essential or original in the way The Truman Show was, and it hasn't done any real hard thinking about the ways we interact with TV. It's a business-like job, made to seem special at times because of the skills of the actors, especially Martin Landau, who gets a laugh with almost every line as a man who is wryly reconciled to a very shaky health. Quote, I'd yell for her, but I'd die. (laughs) Such a good line of this movie. So good. <laughs> it's like that line broke me when Martin Landau said it. <laughs> He's phenomenal in this entire movie. He really, really is. It is it's true that he is hilarious with almost every line of this movie until a little bit later. We're until about to get to the hilarity is the perfect setup for everything else. Yeah. So what actually happens is that Ed finds out through through his mother, uh, Jeanette, who's played by Sally Kirkland. She basically let slip that she was seeing Al before she kicked Hank out. Right. Ed's mom sucks. Ed's mom is not great. But his two daddies seem like pretty great people. Yeah. I mean, Hank, Hank's got his issues. He doesn't really remember which of his sons is which. But No, he doesn't, but he's also stayed out of their lives because he's like, your mom didn't want me. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to do that to her and make everyone uncomfortable at being a difficult guy. Right. Yeah, and basically... The, the way Ed finds out is that his mom is like, oh, your father's always been blah, blah, blah. Just ask Al. And that's when he's like, wait, you you said that you'd only met Al after Hank had left. And that's when he, he becomes furious with her and uh, they get into a big argument. Exactly. You get all that? <laughs> so Ed then gets a phone call telling him to come to the hospital where he's told that his father died making love to his wife. Ed assumes that the father in question is Al. For, you know, the aforementioned reasons. Sure. But when it turns out it's actually Hank who was having an affair with Jeanette. Right. Jeanette, the mom, went over to see Hank to kind of try to reconcile a little bit, I guess. Yeah. They ended up doing the dirty and it ended up becoming the deadly. And it killed Hank. Exactly. And then Jay Leno has some great jokes about how the whole family can't get laid. Yep. But this is, like, sad because Ed, like, confronts his mom about all this. Yeah. And she pretty much admits the whole affair on television because everything's being filmed. Right. Don't forget. And now she feels bad that she outed herself in this way. And she comes off as a shit sucker, Ellen DeGeneres, modern day style. Yeah. And then It's heartbreaking, man. Al is just a sweetheart who, who like, rolls up and he's like, where's my wife? And, yeah. He has no idea. He has no clue. But he will find out, obviously, due to 
being on the, the TV television show. Exactly. Uh, we cut to Hank's funeral, and Wikipedia leaves out like the biggest emotional hook of this movie, where it's unbelievable scene that has no business being no in business this movie. In this movie, exactly. Ed can't attend the funeral. He's kind of outside of it because the family doesn't want the cameras there. Right. They asked him not to show up. He's outside of the gate to the cemetery right. looking on from like a good 300 feet away. Yeah. And after the the funeral's over, Martin fucking Landau comes over and they literally this, rolls up. <laughs> they have this chair. extremely emotional moment where, you know, Matthew McConaughey's like, you're my dad, et cetera, et cetera. And it's it goes even farther than that, because the conversation opens up with Martin Landau rolling up and saying, like, you all right, kiddo, like actually checking yeah. on Ed to make sure he's yeah. OK. His dad just died. Right. He's not taking it like, yeah, I mean. Your dad squished our, your mom's cat, and I have to deal with this, but that's not it. Like, I raised you, sort of. I want to make sure you're okay. Right. And Matthew McConaughey even says, like, what are you and mom going to do? And he goes, no, nah, I'm moved out already. Like, I, yeah. I don't need that. So I'm moving in with my brother. Yeah. Et cetera, Which is et cetera. A, a great move also. The mom doesn't deserve anything. Right. And I love that <laughs> Al's in better shape than his brother, so that's that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so there's a little joke sprinkled in there too, but like this is a very emotional moment. And this is where Ed becomes completely disheartened by how the producers want him to stay on longer. They want to give him another three months. And he's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm losing my entire family. No, nobody likes me. They don't want me around. I couldn't go to my own father's funeral. And he wants me to change their mind. Yeah, and he had his first month on air, and then he got a huge payment and was so excited to get another month, and now they just right. keep adding time to it. He's like, no, no. Yeah, he's, I can't he wants to do out, this. But they tell him that if he leaves now, he'll be in breach of his contract. And he's like, fine, I'll just sit on my thumb and do nothing. And they're like, well, any losses based on you not maintaining a normal life, you could be charged for. They pretty much own Ed. Yeah. So Ed kind of mopes around all depressed. Until he notices one day while he's at work, outside a disguised Sherry. Ed works at a video store. Oh, yeah, Because he has right. to work somewhere, I guess. This whole time, he's been at a video store. Um, he sees Sherry. He chases her down to a woman's bathroom in a movie theater, where she explains that she's just in town to visit her brother for his birthday, and she just kind of wanted to see him, but she didn't want him to see her. And he's like, Ed vows to find a way to end the show so he could be with Sherry, because this whole time, he's been all about Sherry. As he should be. They got a really good chemistry. They really do. When Ed exits, one cameraman stays with Sherry, explaining that it is the producer's new idea. Oh, it's so gross. Ed's entire family is being filmed because they signed off, they signed the releases, and now the show can focus on whoever's the most interesting person at the given moment. So the family just goes about their lives, and there's a camera person on now everybody. Yeah. It is so weird and gross, and I hate it. But it's also a really, really good villain move to keep this, oh, this yeah. story going. And let's not forget about the director in the truck for Ed TV. Clint fucking Howard. And his hair plugs. That they are oh. not hiding our hair plugs because there's a line about them being hair plugs. You, you gave me hair plugs from a doll. It's so good. He's phenomenal. I love he's my favorite Howard. I think he's my favorite Howard too. Uh, but also. Let's very quickly rewind, because there's some big-name people in this movie Oh yeah, that we left out, including Adam fucking Goldberg. 
Adam fucking Goldberg is kind of in this movie. Like he's in the background in a bunch of scenes. He's like friends with Ed. And then uh He's a lot like Ben Affleck in Goodwill Hunting of like that's his type of persona. Yeah. But then if he got smart eventually. Yeah. <laughs> like grew with it. I love that with his his uh appearance on TV where he's he's just he's great. He's doing a panel and he's saying like, oh, the dichotomy of the way that we look at television. The commodification of celebrity, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, just waiting for like Marshall McLuhan, like Annie Hall style to pop out. Like, you know nothing of my work. (laughs) (laughs) And then he bites down on the pipe. It's great. And also Shari has a roommate named Rita. And I just saw her real name for the first ever time. And I love it. It's such a good name. It's Wendell Josepher. Wendell Josepher. <laughs> that sounds like something you would make up to the cops if you got caught smoking weed when you're 14. <laughs> What's your name? Uh, Wendell, Wendell Josepher? Uh, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Uh, she's so famous, she, her name's not even linked on Wikipedia. No, she's the Cole Hauser of this movie. She Fuck is the you, Cole everybody. We're not letting movie. that go. Ed gets an idea of how to stop the main producer, Rob Reiner, from airing the show. He's going to give $10,000 to any person who can give him the best amount of dirt on the producers, and then he'll announce it live, with the desired result being that they will stop airing the show before he can make the announcement. Good old-fashioned blackmail. Blackmail, baby. He's like, 9 o'clock tonight, I'm going to make the announcement. I'm offering $10,000 to whoever can dig up the best dirt on these producers. He's doing it the right way. I love it. Over the course of this movie, Cynthia has become sympathetic to Ed. Well, it's hard not to become sympathetic to Ed because Ed is a legit good guy. Yeah, exactly. And like the way that Matthew McConaughey plays it off, he has kind of his, they call him a boob. Yeah. He is a a bit of a bro, but he also has like a heart of gold and he genuinely cares for damn near everyone and he could not be more friendly. He's never mean to anyone in this movie. That's true. That's a good call. So Cynthia feels sorry for him and she calls him up (laughs) doing a disguised voice. And tells him a secret about the main producer, Rob She's Reiner. doing the thing where she talks like this, like Madonna and Dick Tracy. <laughs> so Ed announces the secret live on the air that the man, Rob Reiner, has to pump a liquid into his prenis to get an erection. But he describes it in great detail. So much detail. Before he can announce who it is, the show is taken off the air. They pull the plug. I love how he drags it out long enough, and Rob Reiner's like sitting there eating a salad, like spits it out, turns around to the phone, tries to dial it up, (laughs) and as Ed is saying, like, and that man is, it goes dead, and he's just like, hell yeah, Yeah. (laughs) he won. And everybody (laughs) cheers, and it's a lot like the end of The Truman Show, where you're rooting for him to get out of this. Yeah, whereas The Truman Show is more about escaping a fake life. This is about escaping a contract, so the stakes are... (laughs) Yeah. Not exactly adjacent, but still Similar relatively high. Yeah. After the camera crew finally leaves Ed's apartment, he and Sherry renew their relationship and celebrate as TV news panelists predict that Ed will be forgotten in a short period of time. And I love this because Ed like hugs it out with all the camera crew that's there. He got to know him pretty yeah. well. It's yeah. terrific. It seems like that's a wrap on Ed TV in the most appropriate way. But that right there is Ed TV from 1999, directed by Ron fucking Howard. And this movie fucks. And also, I just saw who this movie's written by because this movie's written by Lowell Gons. That's fine. That's a normal name. Yep. But yep. even better than that, it's also written by 
Babalu Mandel. Babalu Mandel. Even better than Wendell Josepher. Babalu is like a thing that you call like a friend that you're trying to get close with or closer yeah. with where you're trying to get like fun pet names. Hey, <laughs> oh, it's Babalu. Okay, Babalu. Hey, Babalu. Do you think that Elizabeth Hurley had it in her contract in the late 90s that she could only do movies where there was a penis pump involved? <laughs> so specific. <laughs> Sorry, I can't do the movie unless there's a penis That's pump. That's not what she sounds like. <laughs> My bad. I don't do it as well as you do. <laughs> I did. It wasn't me doing it. Oh, that's right. I'm using uh, a, a text-to-chat thing where I type it in. And Elizabeth Hurley <laughs> says it out loud with her mouth. <laughs> I know it's not her because we, well, actually, we did mention a prenus pump, so I guess she could be here. I only do feature films that involve a prenus pump. <laughs> Story motivation. I really enjoy this. It's not The Truman Show. It's not trying to be The Truman Show. It's not. They and just happen to come out around the same yeah, time. Yeah, I understand why they're compared, but they are very different. Like, they're not even the same genre. Not even close. This is a rom-com. This is a rom-com through and through, and I I mean, there's a soft spot in my heart for rom-coms. As there should be. I'm going to go with a seven. Seven. I like it. I was going to say eight. I'll gladly go with eight. Let's go eight. Let's ask Liz Hurley what she Pump that penis up to an eight! <laughs> We're going to pump that score up! Seven's impressive, but have you seen an octo? Give it the Matthew McConaughey one ab bump! <laughs> Squish my cat and pump my penis at an eight! That's what's going to be on her tombstone when she dies. <laughs> Squish my cat and pump my penis. On that note, I guess we could talk about casting. <laughs> I guess we could. It is not bad. It's pretty good. McConaughey and Harrelson are phenomenal together. Jen Elfin's really good. She, she hits the emotional good. scenes dead on. Yeah, I guess they offered it to Jennifer Aniston, and I think that still would have worked. But I like Jenna Elfman better because there is that every but that every person quality to her that you won't get with a Jen Aniston. No, the problem with Jen Aniston is that she's funny. Like proper ridiculously right. funny. Like even when she's talking about Flair working at Shenanigans <laughs> or whatever that place was. It's <laughs> true, yeah. Days, it was funny and she's playing it relatively straight. Yeah. Jen Elfman, she can hit the comedy, no problem, but she hits the emotion hard. Big time. And she has the most emotion in this movie. Outside of that one scene at the funeral. Oh my god, I was completely wrong. Jenna Elfman was always going to be Sherry. Jen Aniston was going to be the Ellen DeGeneres role. Which I think would have been pretty good, actually. Yeah, okay, I could buy that, actually. Mostly I don't like Ellen DeGeneres at all. <laughs> and I wish I was a fucking Dory and I could forget her. That'd oh, be great. I see, see what you did there with the... Jen Aniston, I think, would have been pretty good in that executive role. Still playing it up. A bit for the laughs, because that's what yeah, Ellen does. Yeah, because that is definitely what Ellen does in this movie. And Martin fucking Landau. He gets a bump. I'm calling Martin it now. Landau's there will great. be a Martin Landau bump. There will absolutely be a Martin Landau bump. And Rob fucking Reiner is Who's so good. perfection in this. And a Clint Howard bump, of course. Uh, eight. Eight. Eight, eight nine. The, the it could be a nine. bumps. It really could be a nine. Really, this casting is phenomenal. It really is. I could see a nine. Let's go nine. Let's do nine. Protagonist. Ed. He's a good dude. Ed, Ed is a good dude. The thing is, though, like this movie kind of happens to him. 
He doesn't Which I do think it. is a really neat choice. It is, absolutely. Like but. he's not the protagonist in his own life in a lot of ways. Everyone else around him is forcing his story along. That's true. I mean, he didn't even audition. He didn't audition. So I think for protagonist, it has to be Ed. Yeah. But I don't think he's a very good protagonist, so I kind of want to go with like a three. Yeah. But on the flip side for antagonist, I kind of want to go like a six or a seven. I agree with that on both counts. I would say a three for Ed and a seven for antagonist. Perfect ten. Which when you put them together. You know, uh, the world and TV producers in general. That's right. Some of the screenplay. Lil Gans and Babaloo Mandel. Babaloo Bump. <laughs> Gotta have the Babaloo Bump. It's okay. Yeah. I think the idea fine. is really good. I think that the direction is what makes this shine more than anything. Yes. And the we'll acting is what makes it shine more than anything. The screenplay itself, it's okay. It it's fine. deals it's... a lot with the morality of reality TV. Right. It's it's a rom-com else. with the sprinklings of uh, reality TV. Right. Five. Yeah. Five. Right down the middle. Style and tone. Ten. Ten. I'm a sucker for anything that does this. This Completely kind of idea. agree. Yeah. Because this is just hard to do, and this movie does it ridiculously well because you do see Ed and the cameraman surrounding him who are filming the show. Then sometimes you go to the cameraman's view of Ed doing the show, and then sometimes you're looking at a camera shooting a TV, right. which we see Ed on. with. The, like You create so many different little environments between the viewers and what's happening. Oh, God, I, I yeah. love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. It's so good. And I love the cutaways, just like the Truman Show does, to the audience watching it. And you get these familiar audience members that you can relate with. And You do, but you don't. Because there are small little arcs with these audience members, which is yeah. great. But then sometimes they just go away and new audience members take their place. <laughs> which I think is really cool. Yeah. 10. Style and tone is a 10 for sure. Director Ron fucking Howard. Crushes this movie. This is not a typical Ron Howard movie. No. And I think this is kind of what we call a flex, more than anything, where you step so far out of your comfort zone and you still knock it out of the park. I completely agree. I want to go nine. I like it. I like it. Nine. Not a perfect 10, because this movie's not perfect by any means, but- That's, that's true. This is such um, a hard thing to pull off, the direction is- Beautiful. So well done. Nine for Ron Howard. Music. Who? The score was done by Randy Edelman and Bon Jovi. Jesus Christ, really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the soundtrack I love. I mean, it is, it's so 90s, but this movie is, it came out in 1999. But like, I mean, to the, the level of, of when Ed and Sherry are in the car and they're finally about to hook up and it's playing bare naked ladies on the radio. I'm like, I'm so in. I love I get the it. I totally understand that. If you're like making out in the back of a Buick LeSabre. The only thing that should be on that radio is Bare Naked Ladies. <laughs> it's appropriate because, like, they finally get Jenna Elfman's shirt off and it's Bare Naked Ladies playing on the radio. It's, you know, symbolism. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, four, probably? Yeah, but I think that's about right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to give it a Bon Jovi bump. Can we do that? Yep, to a four. T- I was going to say to a five, but yeah, to a four. <laughs> okay. Fine. Four. If you want to go five. Nope. Okay, good. Thank you. I might buy the soundtrack, though. You think so? Uh, if Do you think they still make this? Like, I'm going to log on to TV whatever vinyl.com is and, like, I need a, a sweet pressing of NTV. I'm curious if you can even get it, like, downloaded. <laughs> NTV soundtrack. I'm looking for you it right Google now. Google it and it just goes, why? 
Oh, yeah, some James Brown, some Al Green, some Otis Redding. I don't remember any of that in the movie. That's squishing cat music right there. UB40, though. I remember that. Sure. Bon Jovi, obviously. Meredith Brooks, but not the I'm a Bitch song. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I think yeah, we nailed I, it with, with the four. I think I we nailed it with the four. see anywhere you can buy the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Amazon.com's got it for $35 on CD. Jesus Christ. Because they only made like seven copies. Oh, wait. <laughs> you can get it used for $2.88. <laughs> yeah, four for music. Four for music is the most appropriate thing. Sure. <laughs> Let's talk about box office. Uh, this movie flopped hard. So this is really interesting because I don't think we've ever had a flop. I don't think we have either. It took us 19 episodes to get a true flop and this is a super flop <laughs> a doozy uh the thing that fascinated me is this movie has an estimated budget of 80 million dollars where i was gonna that is twice what it costs to make the prestige unbelievable yeah and this movie ended up making 35 million worldwide uh so that is a 44 percent return on investment did not make its money back that is a zero for box office wow even jack and jill got a Point more than yeah. that, actually. Jack and Jill was a bit of a hit. Jack and Jill did surprisingly well. Wow. Interestingly enough, the other movies that came out this week, 10 Things I Hate About You finished like 11th its first week. What? 90s classic. Right? Um, This movie in its first week beat The Matrix. <laughs> How the fuck does that happen? Like Forces of Nature was in its second week. That was still number one. Analyze This was two. Ed TV finished third for the week in front of The Matrix. How many weeks was The Matrix on at that point? This was also The Matrix's first week. Oh my God. 1999 should get arrested. 1999 is broken. Ed TV and The Matrix came out the same week, and Ed TV won. Never forget. And then, <laughs> then you get The oh Mod Squad, which also came out that week. It finished fifth. Doug's first movie, the animated, you know, Doug. Dude, sure. Dude, oh, sixth. yeah which knocks Shakespeare in Love down to 7th. And then eventually you get down to Baby Geniuses in 10th and 10 Things I Hate About You in 11th. That is such a wild span of movies there. The 90s are insane. Yeah, they are. I miss them every day. <laughs> so that's a zero for box office, despite beating The Matrix in week one. It's one of those things, like we're in 2023 right now, and the biggest threat we have is dying all the time. Like getting exploded nonstop. I mean, as far as threats go, it's a pretty good one. It is, but in the 90s, like the biggest threat was all just like cultural in a way of like the bare naked ladies are breaking up. No! <laughs> I mean, there's also AIDS. That was like the early 90s, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. We, we nip that, right? It's gone for forever. Magic it's Johnson. Not, not a problem at all. Magic Johnson. Mid 90s. He put money directly into his veins and he exactly. didn't have the AIDS anymore. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so the, the bare naked ladies were the biggest concern of the 90s, <laughs> as they should have been. Them and Chumbawamba. They're still together, aren't they? I think so. Thank God. The final category is impact on the industry. It's small. It's incredibly small. Yeah, this movie's borderline forgotten at this point. This movie only comes up in lists of movies that are similar that came out in the same year. <laughs> which is a thing, though. Which is how I found it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard of Ed TV. It gets compared to Truman Show all the time. And I love Truman Show. It's my favorite movie. And I was like, I got to see Ed TV. And then um, pleasantly surprised. But otherwise, I would have completely forgot it existed. 
So Phil Hot Take Hawkins wrote in. Okay. And he asked us a question that the Truman Show and TV, they're similar. Yeah. Sort of like The Prestige and The Illusionist. And also, I watched The Illusionist today. That movie rules. Oh, okay. It's so good. I forgot rules. everything about it. And I was so into it. It's not better than The Prestige in my mind, but like The Prestige is like, we're fucking each other with our magic. Whereas in The Illusionist, it's Ed Norton just like fucking the world with his magic. Like a giant <laughs> middle finger, a magical like middle finger. It's so good. Ed Norton's always good and fuck the world. Dug it completely. <laughs> Paul Giamatti, man. Solve crimes all day. I love Can't it. Can't go wrong with Giamatti. And Jessica Bale, come on. So what Phil Hot Take Hawkins wants to know is, where do me and you, the Beer Me Boys, where do we stand on the 1997 summer geologic disaster movies, Volcano <laughs> and Dante's Peak? <laughs> I've never seen Volcano. I have, and it does not hold a candle to Dante's Peak. Dante's Peak I don't see so any good. grandmas walking into sulfuric acid or something. I don't see it. <laughs> and also Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. You can't go wrong with Pierce Brosnan, though. Can't do it. Uh, he had a follow-up question. Also, what about the elephant craze of 1995-1996 with Larger Than Life and Operation Dumbo Drop? <laughs> Again, I have not seen Larger Than Life, but I have seen Operation Dumbo Drop. Wins by default, then. Did he mention Ants in a Bug's Life? He didn't, but he mentioned <laughs> Babe vs. <versus> Gordy. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that Gordy was a thing. Oh, so, uh, uh, Phil, you missed one, but you made up for it. In each of these, there was a clear winner every time, though. Every single time. <laughs> History will judge your movie if it's similar, unless it's unless it's no strings attached and friends with benefits, because I still can't remember which is which and which is better. I have no idea. They're so similar. No clue. All I know is that one of them has the Ashton Kutcher, the other one has Mila Kunis, and then they try to do the friends with benefits thing after their movies, and then right. they're married, so, you know. That's how it works sometimes, Just right? like the plot of their movies. They should have known. They should have known. So the impact on the industry for Ed TV. Two. Two. Yeah, it gets a I like it, damn it, bump. Okay, I was going to say, like, you pulled points. that number out of your ass. <laughs> that is going to give Ed TV a total score of 57. That was dangerously close to drinking. Really? Yeah, because this movie on Rotten Tomatoes scored a 64%. And weirdly, the audience score, well, not if you look at the box office, was 30%. Oh, wow. Yeah, so this is... Not a popular movie. That's crazy. It I do is. know that because the Truman Show's success as a drama and Universal expected that Truman Show was going to flop because people wouldn't want to see Jim Carrey in a serious role. Sure. Once it was successful, they wanted to push this as a slapstick comedy in their oh, advertising. God. And that's just not what this movie is. Not even close to it. It is a rom-com. Yes. That sometimes leans heavy on the comedy, sometimes leans heavy on the drama, too. A little bit. It's really well done. I like this movie a lot. I do too. It's definitely worth Which checking out. Surprised me to no end. Absolutely. And uh, I'm glad. I'm glad we did it. Well, I bet you are. It's your choice. Thank it you for was. beering us that movie. <laughs> but now we can't ask each other what we're going to beer each other next week. We can't. It's because it's not up to us. It's not up to us. It is that time of the month where we do an audience pick. <laughs> I do like that time of the month. <laughs> So Brian's going into the random number generator. How many movies we got on that list right now? Uh, 30-something. Sounds about right. Patrons, you guys got double picks. You can either pick the same movie twice or two movies. And you normies, who are missing a shitload of content on Patreon, you only get one pick. But Brian, 
Why don't you tell us what the audience has beard us all for next week? Next week, our pick is coming from Mr. Mike Lanham. You heard a few weeks ago on our King of Kong episode. He has chosen No Country for Old Men. Oh, my God. All right. I wasn't yeah. ready for, to get coined up already. We are getting coined up next we week. We got coined up a while back now. <laughs> it's like 18 <laughs> episodes ago or something like that. It's been a while. It's been crazy. But No Country for Old Men, best picture winner. It's appropriate. We talked a little the little golden boy with the Oscars. That's right. This episode, this is good. This is That is an appropriate transition right there. We had a few weeks now in a row where we talked about Directors that we've already talked about once on the show. Keep that going. Keep it going. I love it. I've only seen this movie once and it was in theaters. I can't wait to watch it again. I have never seen this movie. Beautiful. That's the best scenario possible. I can't yeah. wait to talk about this movie. Next week, No Country for Old Men. Until then, be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Join us on Patreon this month for Master of Disguise with uh, Mr. Dave Novak, who seems to only join us on the Patreon episodes these days. <laughs> You know, good. Yeah, good. you know what? You, like, if you're willing to spend uh, at least a dollar a month, you should have to suffer through his voice just a little bit. <laughs> I like that we're sparing the regular listeners from him. It's the appropriate thing to do. He's almost become a treat. <laughs> For who? <laughs> you know what? Yeah, we're doing this all wrong. We're punishing the people who, who are giving us money. We shouldn't say that, though, because like, he is an actual treat. Whenever I actually get the chance to hang out with him, like I've known him for years and years and years. Yeah. I always say, give me your phone. And he gives me his phone and I go on his dating apps. That's for a him. mistake. Like, that's bravery, though, that you, like, they, they sing songs about that if this were like Roman times or whatever. Is that bravery or is that just stupidity? It's complete fucking stupidity. I feel stupidity. like it's, it's the just knowing the futility of it all. He's like, yeah, fine. Maybe you'll get me something because I can't do it myself. He can't do it on his own. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, poor bastard. Uh, Any ladies that listen, the one lady, if you're single. Yeah, he's. I, I got a guy. He is a good dude. He won't hurt you that badly. He will annoy the fuck out of you. <laughs> but he, gr he grows up. Get you. past that. He's got one app. He's got one singular <laughs> app. All right. All right. All right. And he's got a makeshift Prenus pump that he keeps in his sweatpants at all times. Oh, just in case Elizabeth hurts. Yeah, it's not up? even so much a pump. As much as it's like whenever you put the hood up on your car and there's like a small bar that you have to like snap <laughs> underneath, pull to like it stick it underneath your prenus to keep it up. up. <laughs> and he goes around saying, hey, you want to check the oil on my dipstick? And people are like, that's not even hot no, I don't, for what you're doing. I don't like, like there's literally a stick holding up your prenus right now. We, we shouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, this is... Also, a stick holding up a flaccid penis is weird. Maybe spend a little more money for the proper pump where they put the tombs into your prenus and they start squeezing it out and they get like a hydraulic system or something you going You squeeze in the pump and, and then Elizabeth Hurley shows up, you squish her cat. That's right, all of that. Oh, that's totally my bag, baby! <laughs> Email us your questions, comments, and movie suggestions for next month at beermeamoviepod at gmail.com or you can follow us on social media at beermeamovie pod on twitter and at beer me a movie on all the other things like facebook where we always put up a post on our recording days asking for your questions and comments and we did get an email this week and it was from phil hot take hawkins letting us know that the legend topol kicked that that old bucket and i was hanging out with ebert in the sky that's right it was an urgent email it was breaking news 
Topol is dead, and that is all. And <laughs> P.S. is it. Gordon's alive? If you have not watched Flash Gordon, stop listening right now. Go watch Flash Gordon. Brian, you got anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic! We'll see you guys next week for No Country for Old Men. See you then. No Country for Old Men sounds like a cougar's dream. See you next week.